Good morning, I'm Anna Palmer. And I'm Jake Sherman. And welcome to The Daily Punch, brought to you by Punchbowl News. It's Tuesday, May 17th, 2022. Let's get into the mix. Here are your Washington headlines of the day. Number one, the domestic terrorism bill gets new momentum in the House. Number two, what we're watching in today's primaries. And number three, we've got the inside scoop on some big staff changes and what it means for the House GOP leadership. All right, Jake, let's get into it. Um, This domestic terrorism bill coming out of the racist attack in Buffalo is getting some new momentum. Of course, we've been reporting on this and the fact that uh, the squad and the ACLU and others had really kind of put the brakes on any momentum earlier this year to get the bill across the finish line. Uh, This attack in Buffalo, though, seems to have created some momentum here and some uh, good faith dealing to find a way forward. Yeah, so a couple weeks ago, as you kind of indicated, the House was going to consider this domestic terrorism bill. It should have been a layup at the time. At least that's what Democratic leadership said. Um, But the squad revolted, as you indicated, and the bill had to get pulled. I mean, remember, Pelosi's only got a, what, a couple-seat majority here, uh, five, six seats. So she can't, and she can't count on House Republicans who who vote no for everything. She can't count on them for anything. Uh, Even though this bill was voice voted a couple years ago um, and uh, uh, was, you know, widely, you know, pretty widely bipartisan, Democrat Republicans are not going to vote for this bill, according to what we've heard. So after this horrific massacre, just a a, a, what appears to be a racist massacre in Buffalo, uh, this gave the domestic terrorism bill new a new urgency, I guess you could say. Um, and it, it, the ACLU, which was against the bill, there's a lot of griping about the ACLU right now. I didn't know there were so many feelings about the ACLU in the Democratic caucus, but um, uh, it appears at this point that they're going to tweak this bill to give um, uh, to assuage con- concerns. The ACLU is expected expected to be uh, neutral on the bill, and it looks like they're going to try to pass it. It's not, Anna, it's not uncommon, I would say, uh, in our time covering Congress, that these types of um, horrible situations give legislation new cachet, new urgency. Um the House is now out for two weeks after this week, so they need to get it done this week. So that's kind of what's making this urgency even more urgent, if that makes sense. Um, so the House, they, they were working all day yesterday to um, add First Amendment protections, change some of the language defining domestic terrorism, and uh, get it across the finish line this week. Remember Chuck Schumer... Senate Majority Leaders going to Buffalo today with Joe Biden to uh, visit those who are mourning. I mean, in in what's just a, an absolutely stunningly horrific uh, uh, attack in Buffalo, and it looks like the House is going to get this through. And we, we spoke to some members of the squad last night who said, "Listen, we're we're um, we're working with the leadership to try to get this done." So I. I it feels like from the body language that this will get done this week. They're going to go to the rules committee today. Uh, what are your thoughts, Anna? Yeah, very different. I mean, it's to your point when um, some of these tragic situations happen, all of a sudden uh, people look 
anew sometimes at uh, policy. And I think it's it's a pretty big shift, right? Cori Bush was one of the lead kind of people try, saying that she had issues with this just a few weeks ago. Uh, we reported on that at the time. And now, um, you know, it's sounding a very different uh, kind of tone here saying she's working with leadership. Um, I mean, the big thing here is this is Democrats trying to get on the same page. And what you mentioned earlier is Republicans still are against this bill. And so even if it passes the House, it is I'm highly skeptical that Chuck Schumer could get this passed a filibuster in the Senate. Yeah, no, I don't think that's possible. What are the things to bring up? Um, in, and, and by the way, I don't know that for sure, because there is some urgency on the Senate side. I mean, yesterday we heard from Joe Manchin that they need to pass Manchin to me, the gun control bill, which doesn't. I mean, that doesn't. Not, I mean, he's been ha, saying that for a long yes, time. He, it's not had a it's uh, it's not had a chance for a while. So um, I'm just trying to illustrate that there is urgency to do something on the Senate side, even though that urgency is not as urgent <laughs> using my my really, Man, you really stupid... we got, how many times have we used urgent yeah, today? <laughs> yeah, urgent, urgent, urgent. OK, so the other interesting thing to me uh, is yesterday House Democrats had to put the brakes on uh, the Consumer Fuel Pricing Gouging Prevention Act. This is legislation to um, uh Stop oil companies from price gouging, written by Kim Schreier of Washington, Katie Porter of California, both Democrats. Um, they have Democrats have some problems. The leadership seems like they can pass it. We heard from some House Democrats they were worried about the price control provisions in the bill. I think there'll be some Texans who have problems with this legislation, also just some moderate Democrats. But, you know, Democrats have been have been very eager to do something on oil on oil and gas prices. Um, they are at a record high, uh, as we all know. There's political urgency to get this done. Uh, gas prices are at an all time high um, and we're only what, like five, six months from an election. And so all of this is very critical politically, if not substantively, because this bill is not going to pass the Senate. There is not going to be a price gouging bill to pass the Senate. Uh, uh, Republicans say the FTC already has the authority um, to to investigate price gouging in uh, in the oil markets and by oil companies. So anyway, that it's a political priority that that Republicans are the Democrats rather are very urgent to get on top of. All right, let's move quickly on to the number two story of the morning. What we are watching in today's primaries, voters are heading to the polls in North Carolina, Oregon, Kentucky, Idaho, and Pennsylvania today. Our colleague Max Cohen has a great write-up in this morning's Punchbowl News AM. I encourage you to take a look at that. But let's just talk, I mean, this is really the contours of some of these key battleground states, particularly North Carolina, Pennsylvania, are going to come into real focus um, after people vote today. In particular, the one that, you know, I've been watching, I know a lot of people are watching, is this Senate race, uh, this Senate Republican primary, you know, you had uh, Dr. Oz and David McCormick going, you know, kind of in this brutal back and forth. But then this race has been mixed up at the end with Kathy Barnett riding her late campaign surge and kind of potentially really put, you know, mixing up the entire 
you know, you know, general election here for Republicans. Going to be very interesting to see also whether Donald Trump's endorsement of Dr. Oz uh, matters here um, or, or not. I mean, that, that to me is one of the biggest races uh, tonight to watch. Of course. Yeah, that's a huge race. Um, uh, you know, I was thinking, Anna, there's a non-zero chance that Mehmet Oz, Herschel Walker and J.D. Vance could be senators next year, which is... Uh, what a trifecta. What a trifecta. That's not something I would have uh, anticipated. It wasn't on your bingo card? <laughs> wasn't on my bingo card in 20-whatever, even 2021, 20, I guess. But uh, a couple other things I want to go over in, in the less tr- the less popular uh, races. Madison Cawthorn up tonight against Chuck Edwards in a primary. Obviously, Cawthorn has gotten in some trouble. He was... Uh, and there was a video released of him naked in bed with another man. Um, there was, uh, I mean, God, we can't go over all the, into- he, he claimed to have been involved in cocaine orgies in Congress, later backtracking, saying he wasn't involved in co- cocaine orgies when he was in Congress after being upbraided by Kevin McCarthy. Um, so, you know, just a very strange uh, race there in, in North Carolina in the 11th district, which used to be represented by Mark Meadows. Interestingly enough, uh, Kurt Schrader, veteran Democratic congressman from Oregon, is uh, fighting for his political life in uh, his district. He's in serious trouble. There are deep doubts in the leadership that he could survive. In fact, many people think he's going to leave. He's going to lose tonight. That's to uh, He voted against legislation to cut prescription drug prices, and he's up against Jamie McLeod Skinner, uh, a progressive who has the backing of uh, Elizabeth Warren. That was all the chatter last night on Capitol Hill uh, in the... Uh, uh, at the vote series last night and, bef- and and preceding the vote series last night. So this is a, a big night, lots of primaries. We will have coverage tomorrow morning uh, and this afternoon and this evening. So a um, uh, big political night. All right, let's move on to the number three story of the morning. We've got some news that you are reporting out in the leadership. Uh, always interesting, and these these races are going to come into clear focus in the next several months. Um, but staff matters, and I think one of the things that we talk a lot about, um, you know, in our conversations as well as in our coverage, is thinking about who's staffing up, who's kind of what their body language is in terms of some of these races, and in particular, as House Republicans expect to become uh, in the majority, you've already started to see some of that shifting happen. You have some news this morning, Jake. Representative Drew Ferguson staffing up ahead of an expected whip run. That's right, Anna. Drew Ferguson, who is the chief deputy whip, the uh, uh, deputy to Steve Scalise, ha- uh, he's a Republican of Georgia, has hired two longtime figures in the ha- in the House Republican leadership. Annie Wolf will be Ferguson's deputy uh, leadership chief of staff. Excuse me. She uh, was Scalise, Steve Scalise's deputy floor director. She worked to the House Rules Committee and also worked as a floor aide to John Boehner and Paul Ryan, the last two Republican speakers. She is a, a major figure in the Republican leadership staff. So, uh, and somebody who's been around this for a long time, leadership politics, if you've been around for a long time, you understand how things go. That's very important. Um, you know, if, if, it's important to carry that on. People kind of rise through the leadership ranks 
And it's very tough to be a newcomer in leadership and have a big job. Let's just put it that way. You Tyler need the Dan- institutional knowledge, right? Tons I mean, that's of part institutional of it. knowledge. That's right. Uh, number two, Tyler Daniel, who was Steve Scalise's political director, will be Ferguson's political director. So let's read the tea leaves here. These are two figures from Steve Scalise's orbit going to work for uh, Ferguson. Uh, uh, that will that we got a lot of text messages last night about Wolf and Daniel saying that they are great and Ferguson is a real candidate, uh, a the uh, the front runner in a lot of people's estimation. I'm not ready to go that far quite yet. Uh, I don't know who else is going to run, but they this is just a it's a big pickup for Ferguson now. A few observations here. Uh, being chief deputy whip is extremely uh, uh, good training ground to be a an elected leader, right? Uh, look at um, uh, a lot of people: Denny Hastert, Eric Cantor, Kevin McCarthy, Patrick McHenry. Roy Blunt, all were chief deputy whip before ascending in the leadership ranks and elsewhere. Uh, but listen, Ferguson um, is a white man. And if McCarthy becomes speaker and Steve Scalise becomes leader, as expected, it's going to be difficult for the Republican conference to elevate another white man. Now, we don't know what Elise Stefanik's going to do if she's going to run for whip. Um, she has been very uh, uh, tight-lipped about her intentions. She has signaled at different times that she wants to be the uh, chair of the Education and Workforce Committee in the House, if there's a House Republican majority. Um, uh but I've also there's also speculation that she would run for for whip and uh, also in the mix Jim Banks Republican of uh, Indiana who is the Republican Study Committee chair right now so uh, just a lot of moving pieces here certainly interesting to see particularly where you see staff making a big bet there um, that you know he's going to be a, a comer uh, to your point I do think that it it's pretty tough for Republicans to have the top three positions be all male in a new majority particularly when they have done a lot of efforts uh, to try to get more women and, and minorities to run so it's going to be an interesting dynamic to see how they thread the needle there two quick things before we head out this morning one Please check your inboxes. We'll be sending out the latest survey of the Canvas Capitol Hill this morning. We want to hear from you anonymously, of course, uh, with questions from everything about unionization on Capitol Hill to what could actually get done before the midterms. And uh, we're very excited to announce our first event in June. I'm going to be interviewing Representative Debbie Dingell, the Democrat from Michigan, on Tuesday, June 7th at 9 a.m. in person on the impact of 5G and manufacturing. You can check out all the details and sign up to attend at our events hub uh, at punchbowl.news. And with that, thanks so much for listening. Leave us a rating review. You can also subscribe to Punchbowl News at punchbowl.news. Have a great day and stay safe.